So welcome. We're glad you're here today. If you're online with us, we are, we're glad that you're there too. And today we're starting a brand new series that I'm very excited about. It's called Come Home. And uh, this series is designed around the idea that we need to, we need to come home to Jesus. We need to, to uh, be in community. Today we're going to talk about the idea of community and how important it is and how this horrible disease that, is, that has taken over our, our culture has crippled our community. And what we need to do is that we need to learn what community really is, how we live it out in the midst of that, and uh, I believe that it will be helpful to you along the way. So with that in mind, let me just jump right in, into it. Uh, I'm just going to start by saying this. Following Jesus makes life better, not easier. I'm not saying that. It's often far more difficult, but following Jesus makes your life better and makes you better at life. And Jesus talks about a lot of things in relationship to community that I'm going to share with you today. And I hope and pray that you will hear, that, hear what I have to say and what God has to say. Uh, and hopefully they'll be the same. That's the, that's the goal here today. And uh, that we will just see what the Lord has for us today. So would you agree with me? that we live in, un, in, at least in our generation, our time on the planet, we live in unprecedented times in terms of isolation. Our culture has been extremely isolated emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And, you know, Grace Church has done all that we can to have online services and, and, and create an environment that is safe. And, but the reality is, is that we are divided on so many issues in our country in our culture, and even inside the church. Would you agree with that? And so it's time for the church to stand up, to believe the words that Jesus spoke, and to live them out, and live them out in a very powerful, powerful way. So the results of this isolation that has been created in our culture, the results are several things. I, you, you'll see this. All you have to do is look at social media, but if you study the issue, you'll see it as well you'll see that anxiety is on the increase in our culture. People are really anxious. And you'll see that depression is really high. Suicide and loneliness is on the increase. That's fascinating because we are, you know, we are connected on social media and yet there's loneliness in our midst. In fact, I want to suggest to you that even though you're here today, oftentimes we can be in a crowd just like this and we can be the loneliest people on the planet. And that's the result of emotional, spiritual isolation. And so uh, what we're going to do today for just a few minutes is we're going we're to look at what, who God is. We're going to start there. And we're then going to look at how, what does he say to us. So let me just start by saying God reveals himself in the New Testament and Old Testament as a community. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. That's a community. You and I have been invited into this community. This is one of the most beautiful things in all of Scripture, that we have been invited into the community of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So let me show you this in the Bible. John chapter 14, verse 23. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. Natural, that if you love Jesus, that you, obeying Jesus isn't going to be a problem for you. My Father will love them. And we will come, now watch this, this is what I want to show you, and we will come and make our home with each one of them. See, we've been invited. 
We've been invited to the table, that song that Grayson wrote. We've been invited to the table. And you and I have this beautiful opportunity to sup with Jesus and he with, and he with us. And it is the way of the believer's life. And I trust and pray it is the way of your life. The way that God has designed believers to live is in community. It's in community. You are designed, you are wired by God to live in community, first with God and then with one another. First with God, I'm living in community with God, and then secondly with one another. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 44, the early church, this is, what, this is the history of them. It says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They shared. They, they, they had a spirit of commonality. All who, all who believed were together. Say that with me. All who believed were together. Now let's say it like we really mean it. All who believed were together. That is such a beautiful thing. And that's the, way, that's the ways of God. Is that you and I aren't to live as islands. You and I are not to live as independents. We are to live. We are to live connected to Jesus. Connected to God the Father. God the Son. And then emotionally and spiritually connected to one another. And the world constantly fights against community and we often drift away. They're going to come back to that concept of drifting in just a minute. But you have to understand that we have an enemy. Because we love Jesus, because we are connected to Jesus, we have a natural enemy. His name is Satan. And Satan is going to do all that he can to fight against the idea of community inside of our lives. You and I need to understand that Satan, his purpose is to isolate and then destroy. That's how he works. And then you add to that, we are natural drifters, right? We are natural drifters. We naturally drift away from God. Who can relate to that? I mean, we have to work to stay close to Jesus, right? Isn't that true? I'm a natural drifter. I was really close to my parents, but we drifted apart after, soon after I was born. And, you know, that's just the way, that is just how life works, right? And then we read in 1 Peter chapter 4, this is so good. The end of all things is near, and all of God's people said? Well, let me remind you, that was written 2,000 years ago. The end of all things is near, and I would say it's nearer today than then, Right? The end of all things is near, and I hope we're living in the end of the age. I do. I hope we're living towards the end of the age. But that's not the point of this passage. This is what Peter says. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. And above all, this is the most important thing Peter has to say to you and I. Above all, above everything else, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. So the Bible here is very clear about the greatest thing that you and I can do, the greatest thing that we have to offer is the idea of loving one another, the idea of being connected to one another. And here's what I want to say. Listen to me very carefully. We live in a culture that has become very divisive and very political in its nature. And I just want to say to the body of Christ, listen to me. I'm talking to you as your pastor. I'm simply saying you and I need to be in unity. We need to walk in unity together because the enemy wants to divide us. That, that's his purpose. So the way that we do that is that we love people intently, emotionally, spiritually. We love them with all of our hearts, mind, and so almost as much as we love God. We love them in that kind of category. And when that happens, when you and I are loving each other deeply, People will naturally see that and they will, be, they will be attracted to that and the gospel of Jesus Christ will become clearer and clearer and clearer. So what is clear 
is that God says that I was birthed into community. I was birthed, I was birthed into this community. And not only does the Bible teach that, the reason I know it is because human nature exhibits it. Think about, think about community as it relates to disaster for just a second. When there's a hurricane or a fire or a natural disaster of some kind, people come out of the woodwork to help, right? Now, I mean, all you have to do is watch the news and you see that. You see that people love to help in disasters. And why would they want to do that? Why do they do that? And the answer is simply this, is because you and I, as a people group, as humanity, are wired by God to love community. Let me give you an example here at Grace. So as a pass-by, this wasn't anything we planned to do is a big campaign or anything. We just, as a pass-by, a couple weeks ago, mentioned some, some victims of the fires. Just mentioned it, just saying, hey, there's going to be a lot of needs coming up. If you would like to give, this is how you do it. It was very low-key. It was never, you know, it wasn't a bit, we didn't do a video of it. We didn't do any of it. We just said it. And that weekend, you all got out your checkbooks or whatever device you used, and you gave $10,000 in one weekend, just one weekend. Over and above the regular giving of grace, you just gave $10,000. You know why? Because you are wired. You are wired by God to love community and want to be in community. And that's, that's who we are. And listen to this. This is so good. You remember last year in the basketball season, the pro basketball season, that they, they, you know, they couldn't play with fans, so they had to play in a bubble. During the playoff season last year, all the pro teams that made the playoffs got put in a bubble. Remember that? They couldn't, they couldn't have their family there. They couldn't have friends there. It was just isolation. And after a def- decisive win of, of the playoff game between the Dallas Mavericks and the L.A. Clippers, Paul George from the Clippers steps up to the microphone after the game and he says this. This is so insightful. This is so good. He said, you probably noticed, in the la- I had a great game today, but you probably noticed the last three games that I played, I haven't played very well. And I'm going to tell you why. He said, I've been in depression. He says that to millions of people listening on national TV. He said, I've been in depression and anxiety. And they said, well, what's going on? And he said, you know, and he attributed a lot, of, a lot of his depression and anxiety to the isolation that that bubble created for his life. Took him away from his family, friends, relationships, and put him in isolation. And it was not for just a week or two. It was an extended period of time as they went through the playoffs. And the more you won, the more isolated you became. And so he was wired by God for community. And here's what I believe the Bible reveals about believers. The fact is, is that I am not an orphan. God has not created me as an orphan. I have a father in heaven and brothers and sisters on this planet. And I'm designed by God to live with them and to serve them and to love them and to encourage them and to be with them. So why would then, if that's the case, if I'm designed by God to do that, if I'm wired by God, and if the Bible tells me, why then do I find myself walking alone so often, so, so many times? And maybe you're here today and you feel very alone right now in whatever circumstances you have going on in your life. Why is it that I complicate my life by going deeper into my aloneness, if that's a word? And just in case you think we don't, listen to this. This is really interesting. You and I are connected to the gills 
to social networking, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter. We're connected. In fact, we're so connected that, that in a month's period of time, 70 billion minutes are spent on just Facebook alone. 70 billion, you heard me say that right, 70 billion minutes are spent on Facebook every month. 70 billion. And yet, we are still one of the loneliest people in all the world. It's not working. Because God has not designed that to meet our needs. That is just not His design in our life. We need humans. We need to be connected to God through Jesus Christ, and we, ne we need to be connected to one another. It is just the way God wants it to be. So then why do we walk alone? I think one of the reasons we walk alone and isolate ourselves is because of ignorance. I think we just act stupidly sometimes, and we think somehow we get our feelings hurt, so we, we say, I'll show them. I'm just going to go and sit in my, in my house, <laughs> and I'm going to pout and I'm going to feel sorry for myself and I'm going to do all those things and I'm, just, and I'm just asking you, how does that work for you? Anybody ever done that? that? I'm taking my ball and going home. Sorry, I'm, I've been offended. I'm going to go home. So there's this, there's this sense of ignorance that we go, you know, that has never worked. It never has worked. It's Satan's trap for you. So don't be ignorant about what God says. So ignorance is a reason that we isolate ourselves. Here's another reason. It's temperament. Some, there's some temperaments that are designed and created, and it's all good, but they're designed to be alone t at times. So let me just tell you from a personal, my personal experience. So I am what I call a shy extrovert, okay? I'm extroverted in my nature, but I'm shy. I'm really a shy person. So I'm not the life of the party. I'm not the guy that comes to the party and gets on the table and dances. That's not me. <laughs> now give me this stage right here, and I, you know, I come out of my shell. I'm not shy up here at all. I just say what I say, and you go home. So, so I'm an extrovert. And so here's what happens on my job. So at work, I can only be in my office because I'm an extrovert. Extroverts need people. So I work in my office about an hour or two at a time, go in there and I'll study diligently because I need, I, every week you come back every weekend and I got to say something to you. So I got to find out, I got to figure out what, God, what do you want me to say? So I go into my office and for about an hour, hour and a half every, you know, I'll, I'll start studying and then I'll be just depleted. I'll be drained because I'm an extrovert. And so I, it was, now it's playtime. <laughs> the staff hates this, you know, because I come out of my office and, you know, they, they've, got, they've got busy schedules. I get that. They've got things to do. You know, I sign their paycheck, however, you know, so, so let's get that. I'm just getting there. So here's the thing. I just, I come out of my office to play, drives them crazy. Don't you know I have things to do? Yeah, so do I, but I've got, to, I need, I need, skin time here. So let's just, let's just be together for a few minutes. And, uh, and then I can go back in my office and study for another hour, an hour and a half. And then I come back out after about an hour and a half and we play again. I mean, that's just who I am. However, I am married to an introvert. And my, my, the, way that my, the way I charge my battery is that I am with people. The way my wife charges her battery is she tells me to go do something. <laughs> Don't you have any friends? Don't you want to go fishing with somebody? Or don't you, you know, don't you, don't you have some place to go? And because she needs the alone time and her, you know, she needs, I mean, she loves me. She does. So I'm convinced of it. But when she needs to charge her battery, she needs to be alone. And so sometimes ex introverts have a more difficult time with this concept of community because it's not how we charge our battery. So no matter what our temperament is, whether it's extroversion or introversion, I've got to learn that it's not good for me 
God said this to, the, to Adam and Eve in the garden. It's not good for a man to be alone. It's not good. I need to be with people. No matter how I can accomplish that, that's how I need to, to deal with it. And then sometimes there's fear. You know, if I'm really with people and people really find out who I am, they might not love me. So I sometimes, you know, back up and, you know, but here's the thing. I, you know, I bear my soul every weekend here and people still come back. So I'm just saying it's safe for you. I've tested the water. It's safe for you. You don't have to be fearful about that. Uh, you can be yourself. And then sometimes it's from past experiences. I, you know, I got hurt. And so I don't want to come out of my shell again. So I'm going I'm to go and hide. We're great hiders, by the way. And so sometimes it's because of pain from the past. And sometimes, and this is true of my life, sometimes I don't have time for people. I'm just too busy. I'm just too busy. I just have a busy schedule and I'm going, okay, God, well, you know, you called me to this job. What, you know, show me how to do it then. If I, you know, and I get busy. Do you ever get busy? Do you have a busy schedule? Anybody here? Yeah, you do. Thank you for being honest there. Yeah. yeah you're busy doing exactly what your mom tells you to do. Amen? That's what you got to do. Yeah. Amen. Children are great. I love them. They, love, they actually respond back to me when I'm teaching. Yeah. Amen. They're, they're really good. So busyness, here's how, I, here's how I solve my busyness problem. And maybe it not, may not work for you, but I ask myself this question on a re regular basis. What am I doing right now that in five years no one is going to care about, including me? What am I doing right now that doesn't need to be done so that I can spend time with what does need to be done, which is hanging with people? So those, those are the reasons that we find ourselves alone. And... Uh, the better life gets, the better that God makes life for us, the healthier we become in community. You cannot become, listen to me carefully, you cannot be a healthy Christian in its totality and walk in isolation. So how do I then become a healthy Christian? How, how do I then begin to walk in community? How do I have healthy relationships? That's, that's, a, that's what I'm really talking about here, right? How do I have the kind of relationships that God is calling me to, healthy relationships? And so here's what we're going to start. There's several things that we've got to do, but the first thing that I've got to do is that I have to sever any harmful relationship that I have in my life. I've got to sever it or create boundaries around it. One of those two things. And I'm going to define an unhealthy relationship as anything that sucks the living daylights out of me, sucks life out of my life where I don't have anything to give. That's an unhealthy relationship. So I've got to put boundaries around those kind of relationships so that I can have the right kind of relationships. So step number one is make sure I'm in the right relationships. Proverbs 13.20 says, He who walks with a wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. A companion of fools suffers harm. So when you have a friend that takes the life out of you, that is the kind of relationship that needs to be boundaried. You've got to put boundaries around that. Then I have to initiate some meaningful relationships. So then I've got to say, okay, God, I've, I've, I've put boundaries around the relationships that are not good. So now, God, I need good relationships. So where do I find them and how do I get them? So I have to become then the initiator. I've got to come out of my shell and initiate it. What, look at this verse here. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, the day of Jesus' return. So according to this verse, 
my purpose in life with relationships is to be an encouragement and not a discouragement. So personal inventory here, let's just take it right really quick. I wonder how many people look me in the eyes when I ask you this and don't look side to side. I wonder how many people would have kind of avoid you because you suck the life out of them. And I'm just saying if that's the case, you've got, to turn, you've got to turn from that. And you've got to be a person that says, I'm going to encourage. Find something to say to something, somebody that's encouraging. Build them up. Tearing people down accomplishes nothing. Building them up accomplishes great things. So what do healthy relationships look like? Okay, let me just see if I can help you with that. First of all, I've talked a little bit about this. They bring life and energy, and you, you live in a manner. It allows you to live in the manner that God has called you to. They bring life and energy. A healthy relationship brings life and energy to you. They encourage faith and right living. If I'm in a right relationship, they're going to encourage me to have right, right relationships. And when, my, when I step out of bounds, they're going to gently encourage me to get back on the path again. That's a good relationship. I need those people in my life. They speak the truth when I'm out of bounds. They're not afraid to say the truth to me. I don't want people around me going, man, everybody knows this, but who's going to say it to him? Right? Everybody knows this. Everybody, know, everybody knows about Pastor Dan, okay? Everybody knows that thing about Pastor Dan. But nobody's got the courage to walk up and say whatever it is that needs to be said. So we've got to be that person that's willing to be truth, a truth teller. But here's the thing. Let me tell you, some of you all are out there self-appointed truth tellers. So let me talk to you for just a minute. <laughs> truth telling without love is worthless. Did you hear me say that? Truth telling without love. If I know you have my best interest at heart, I will follow you wherever you want me to go. I will listen to you all ears on. But I, if I think it's just about you and this makes you feel important because you're telling this to me, then I'm going to shut that conversation down pretty quickly. That makes sense? So when I'm a truth teller, I've got to make sure that that person knows that I, that I am there in their corner, that I would die for them, that I'd take my shirt off, I'd give them, if I needed to, I'd give them my shirt, whatever, whatever I needed to do. That's when I can become a great truth teller. And uh, by the way, Healthy relationships keep you from being a Cowboys fan. <laughs> just tell, I'm just, I'm just, I just speak the truth here, okay? I, 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 oh, you have a Cowboys jersey on. I didn't notice that. I didn't notice. Would you forgive me? Yeah, okay. Okay, well, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So where would I find healthy relationships? That's a great question, right? Number one, I think a great place to look for healthy relationships is the church. I think that would be true. But let me ask you a couple questions here about you. This isn't about anybody else. This is about you. Does anyone know who you are here today? Does anybody know you? Or did you slip in? And are you going to try to slip out before I see you? Give me some eye contact here. Come on now. I hope you still love me. It's okay if you don't. Does anyone know you here? Does anyone know what you struggle with? Because we haven't done church unless we're real. 
So does anyone know what you struggle with? We all are broken, right? And we all struggle with something. Who knows what your struggle is? Or do you just come in, put the mask on, put the face on, put the game face on, and come in and smile and uh, say, yeah, everything's okay. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. And the fact is, is that you, you know, had to fix your face before you came in because you were crying on the way. At least I did. I'm not talking about you. But we all have struggles, right? Does anybody know your story? What's your story? Does anybody know your story? Because your story is a powerful tool in the hands of God. Does anybody know your story? Have you often told your story? That, those are, in the church, that's what I would be looking for. I'm not looking, if I, you know, if I was looking for a church, I'm not looking for a great preacher. I can listen on the internet any day of the week and hear a lot better than what you're hearing today. A lot better. I'm not looking for a great preacher. I'm looking for a church that's going to be the church where, where it's free, to, where people are free to be who they are that their struggles are real and they're open about their struggles and they're not trying to hide anything. They're being real and they're, they're, we're doing all that in the hope of Jesus Christ because he is the hope. It's not just a crying fest, but if I'm not real, no one will know me. And then not only can you know, find relationships in the church, let's hone it down. You can find relationships in small groups where you, are, you do life with a small group of people. That is where you need to be. That's where you get your questions answered. That's where you find people to do life with. A small group isn't a Bible study. That's what we do at small groups. We study the Bible. It's a great thing to do. I study the Bible every day. But there's a deeper purpose behind a small group, and that deeper purpose is, is that I might do life with a group of people that will hold me accountable, love me, love me on my good days, love me on my bad days, tell me when I'm wrong, know me well enough to know my story, know, know me well enough to correct me when correction needs. And, uh, and then I think that if you take it one step further, not only do you find it in the church, talking about healthy, healthy relationships, not only do you find it in small groups, but thirdly, I think you find it when you serve on teams. Where you join a team and you start serving. Because I think when you serve together, you just do, it makes life better together. Now, having said that, I want to conclude our time. Some of you have been waiting for me to say that. <laughs> With this thought. I cannot have community, can't have community, if these three things are true of my life. I will be that leech inside of community if these three things are in my life. Number one, I cannot be in community if I idolize. Meaning I put you on a pedestal and the very first time you fail, I'm out. Because that, that doesn't work. That does not work. It doesn't work at all. Or I can't demonize. I can't just assume that you, I can't assume bad motives. If I'm going to be healthy in community, I can't demonize people. I can't, I, they're flawed like me. And thirdly, I can't utilize. What I mean by that is I can't use them. I can't, go into, I can't go into a small group thinking, you know, this is a, you know, I'm just going to get my needs met here. I go into a small group thinking, I want to be a part of a family that contributes, 
and has needs met. But if I go in with the idea that I'm using this, this small group as an opportunity to promote whatever I want to do, that's the wrong thing. There are three commitments that are essential if I'm going to have the kind of community that I've just described. So I'm out of time, but that's okay. You don't have any place to be. Just kidding, you do. This won't take long. I hope that I've shown you today that for you to walk with Jesus means that you walk in community. Have you heard that today? For you to walk with Jesus means you walk with, with, in community. So if that's the case, there are three things that I've got to do. And I'm going to just say them quickly and you can write them down and just figure out how you're going to do them. First of all, I have to accept people as flawed just like I am flawed. I just have to assume the person I'm talking to is a person that's flawed just like I am flawed. How many of, how many of you have things that you wish you could fix in your life but you can't seem to do it? Anybody like that? Come on, raise your hands high. You've got things in your life that you, you haven't been very successful at fixing. So does everybody else. So if we just love each other in the mess, that would be an amazing community, wouldn't it? I have to accept people as flawed just as like I am flawed. Secondly, <clears throat> build and not compete. It's not a competition. I need to build people up. Thirdly, I need to give instead of withhold. I just need to give. I need to be a giver. There are three things that happen when I do that. There are three things that make life better. If I'm in community, it gives me a sense of significance. I can actually accomplish something worthy of God by doing it together with other believers. I have stability. When I'm weak, someone else is strong. When I fall, they can pick me up. And I have satisfaction because it's satisfying to do life together with people. That's what the Bible teaches. That's the psychology of why I need to be in, in community. And I pray that you won't walk out of here as isolated as you came in. My prayer is that you will really grab a hold of what I've just said and make some changes along the way. Shall we pray? Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for this time together. And I pray, God, that your spirit, God, will take my words and use them for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.